Hey, what's up? Hello, everybody. Welcome to Roll Pod, an Alabama sports podcast from Bama 247. I am staff writer Cody Goodwin, and I'm glad you're here. Happy Wednesday. Happy National Signing Day. Happy Iron Bowl of Basketball Round 2 Day. We've got a lot to get to on today's show. It's audio only today, and you're really only going to hear from me a one-man show, sort of. Uh, today's show, we've actually got audio from Alabama women's basketball coach Christy Curry, who secured her 500th career coaching victory on Monday night when her Crimson Tide rallied to beat Vanderbilt in Nashville. So we'll hear from her about that achievement. We've also got audio from Alabama men's basketball coach Nate Oates ahead of tonight's big matchup against Auburn. We'll, uh, we met with him during his usual media availability on Tuesday. He touched on a lot of good stuff, including Nick Pringle's status, uh, Grant Nelson's growth, playing at Auburn, and he also dove into some coaching adjustments he and his staff made after the non-conference slate that has really paid dividends for this year's Crimson Tide team. But we're going to start today's show a little bit of housekeeping, right? Today's National Signing Day, kind of the other National Signing Day after the early signing day in December. And Alabama's putting the final touches on its 2024 recruiting class. Three more guys are expected to sign today. They may have already signed by the time you're listening to the show. And they are five-star receiver Ryan Williams from Sarah Land right here in Alabama, four-star edge Noah Carter from Peoria. Arizona, three-star linebacker Quentin Reese from Ramsey up in Birmingham. Those three guys, uh, the final additions, Alabama's 2024 recruiting class, which is in line to finish second nationally in the 247 sports recruiting class rankings uh, behind only Georgia. It's a class that has five five-star recruits, 17 four-star recruits, and was largely held together even after Nick Saban retired and Kalen DeBoer was hired to replace him. That's a testament to DeBoer, his new staff, the folks who were already in the building, and those who stayed in the building during the coaching transition. When you really look at it, Alabama lost just two from this signing class. Five-star quarterback Julian Sayan, he's headed to Ohio State. They basically replaced him with another five-star in Ryan Williams. And then four-star cornerback Jameer Grimsley, uh, he had signed, but now he's on his way to Florida. And they basically replaced him with another four-star in Noah Carter. Then they also added Rees, who's a really good player with high upside. Alabama's 2024 recruiting class will finish with 21 total signees. That's not including the six guys who joined the program through the transfer portal either. And will give DeBoer a fantastic foundation from which to begin building his own version of the Alabama football program. Speaking of DeBoer and Alabama, it appears the defensive staff is now officially finalized. Football Scoop reported on Monday that William Inge will be joining Alabama's defensive staff as the linebackers coach or a linebackers coach that rounds out the Crimson Tide's five-man defensive staff. It includes two previous sitting head coaches, another sitting defensive coordinator, one holdover from Saban's 2023 Alabama staff, and then Inge to round it out. So you got Kane Womack, defensive coordinator. He was previously the head coach at South Alabama. Freddie Roach, defensive line coach and assistant head coach. He's the holdover from Saban's last Alabama staff. Maurice Lindquist uh, as defensive backs coach and co-defensive coordinator. He was previously Buffalo's head coach. Colin Hitchler, another defensive backs coach and co-defensive coordinator. He was previously the co-defensive coordinator and safeties coach at Wisconsin. And then you've got Inge, who will coach the linebackers. He was previously the linebackers coach at Washington and has been with DeBoer at both Fresno State and Washington. So some familiarity there. Some of these guys have some of the same roles, I know. My best guess is that Womack will coach the outside linebackers and edge defenders. 
while Inge will focus primarily on the inside linebackers. Hitchler will coach the safeties, while Lindquist will probably focus more on the cornerbacks. They may kind of interchange a little bit. Um, and then obviously you've got Roach who will do his thing with the defensive line. Another thing to note, we also learned Monday night that Jay Nunez is coming over from Oklahoma to be Alabama's special teams coordinator. At least that's what it was reported as. Uh, we've been told he'll serve in an off-field role, given that DeBoer already has his 10 on-field assistants in place. Um, it's important to note that Inge has plenty of experience coaching special teams too. And of course, you've got two former head coaches on the defensive staff. So the tea leaves are telling us that special teams may be something of a collaborative effort for Alabama in 2024. For those who may have missed it, the offensive staff consists of Ryan Grubb, an offensive coordinator. Uh, he's been with DeBoer at both Sioux Falls, Fresno State, and then again at Washington. Robert Gillespie is at running backs coach, another holdover from Saban's 2023 staff. Uh, Jamarcus Shepard at receivers coach. Uh, he was with DeBoer at Washington and played a huge role in the development of Roma Dunze, Jalen Polk, and Jalen McMillan, all of whom will be playing on Sundays next fall. Then you got Nick Sheridan at tight ends coach. He's also been with DeBoer uh, at Indiana in 2019 and then with him at Washington the last two years. And then you got Scott Huff at offensive line coach. He was also with DeBoer at Washington, helped coach the Huskies offensive line to the Joe Moore Award given annually to the nation's top offensive line unit. All in all, really good staff that DeBoer has put together. You still have to go produce the wins on the field next fall, uh, but this staff full of impressive resumes, and I think you guys should feel pretty good about the group of men coaching Alabama next season. All right, that's enough of me talking. We've got some press conference audio up next for you guys. On Monday, the Alabama women's basketball team beat Vanderbilt 74-66 in Nashville. Crimson Tide are now 18-6 overall, 5-4 in conference play. These are the women we're talking about. They rallied from down 33-24 at half by outscoring Vandy 50-33 in the second half to pull away and win. Uh, Sarah Ashley Barker, the co-SEC player of the week, led Alabama with 24 points, also had Alea Nye with 23, and Loyal McQueen with 16 more importantly, it was head coach Christy Curry's 500th career coaching victory. Over her 25-year career, she's won 100-plus games at three different schools, 179 at Purdue from 1999 through 2006, 130 at Texas Tech from 2006 through 2013, and now 191 at Alabama. She's been there since the 2013 season. Can't uh, think there's many coaches uh, who have won 130 or more games with three different schools, but Christy Curry has. After the game, both Coach Curry and a few of her players Players remarked on both the win over Vanderbilt and the achievement of 500 career coaching wins. We've turned that press conference into podcast audio here for you guys today, courtesy of the Alabama Athletics. We'll go now to Christy Curry and the Alabama women's basketball program. Just really proud of our team down the stretch. Um, you know, we were really a lot more intentional. Um, I think we were talking a little bit at halftime about, you know, their effort and energy was at a different level than ours. And anytime you can come back out and only have three turnovers in the second half, we'd only shot two free throws. We got to the line 25 times. And then we had three offensive boards and we had eight more um, for 11. I out rebound them. We were getting out rebound at half. So all the statistical categories just show how intentional. And I just thought we took our effort and energy to another level. So uh, really, really proud of our team in the way that won tonight. Adam. Um, so obviously, Coach Curry, you guys pulled out a very, very gritty win. What does that win feel like as you're uh, as you hit your 500th win? Obviously, like how does that win? How does that second half make you make you feel like your team like played better? Because obviously, like the whole story has been that you guys couldn't finish, but you guys came out and looked like a completely different team. So, how does that make you feel to be your for that type of win to be your 500th win? Well, you know, it's 
it's not about me. I'm just so happy that our team won tonight, you know, and to get that fifth win in conference play, being five and four is a lot better than being four and five, and then to get our 18th win. So um, it's it's not necessarily about me, but I do feel like, you know, one thing in our program that we talk a lot about is just grit, you know, that you can be the hardest worker in the room, the most competitive in the room. And I thought in the third and the fourth quarter, we were just that. So the way we won tonight um, down the stretch um, says a lot about this team and, and their makeup from a character standpoint. Ariel. Hi, Coach. Ariel Schaefer, CBS 42 in Birmingham. Congratulations on your 500 career win. Uh, between Aaliyah and Sarah, you 44 combined points. When you are coming down with a fourth quarter push the way you guys did, how have you seen those two really just take over leadership-wise with this team? Well, they just, I mean, they just had a will about him down the stretch, you know, and we kept trying to find Aaliyah in transition. Um I, I just can't say enough. They're really double trouble um, in a good way, you know, and they're such a great tandem and they play off each other. But, you know, I know you didn't mention Loyal, but I thought Loyal had one of her best games of the year. Just everything that she did tonight. I know the 15 points, but she just did so many things and situations that may go unrecognized. And um, I thought the three of them, they're our leadership committee. We meet and eat and hang out once a week and talk about how we can make our program better. It really has nothing to do with basketball. So, we have tremendous leadership in that locker room. And um, Aaliyah and S.A., I mean, they were unbelievable tonight. It's something I'll never forget. You know, S.A. looked at me in one huddle late and winked at me, and I said, this isn't funny. You know, she's just got some swagger and just one of the greatest competitors or competitors I've ever coached. Just, you know, it's going to be okay, and, and they just made it okay tonight. Courtney? Hi, Coach. Uh, this marks – three games in a row now that you guys have won. So just what has it been like for the team to kind of not to kind of claw their way back into SEC play and really prove themselves through these past three games? Well, I think you have to credit the staff. You have to credit the team. You have to credit the support staff. I mean, you know, right now, this time of year in February, um, your will has to be stronger than your skill. I think SA mentioned it earlier. It's not about talent. It's about the size of your heart. Um, and it's just a tremendous will around the program. You know, our expectation isn't just to get in the tournament. I mean, we expect to make the NCAA tournament. We understand that every one of these count and our backs were against the wall. And as we go into February, we know that's where we really make March special. So our sense of urgency, you know, that was the word at halftime was we had to have more of an urgency and we've got to continue to have an urgency. We'll enjoy this till midnight. We'll hit the reset button and try to get the next one. Ariel. Um, Coach, going along with that, what you said about this grind towards the second half of SEC play, what are you expecting maybe your leaders in the locker room, especially some of the younger ones, too, who are experiencing their first back half of SEC play? What are you expecting them to tell them in the locker room? You know, I don't know that I understood the question. It was kind of shaky on this end. I feel so bad. I can couldn't hardly hear, but I think you were talking about leadership in the locker room. Uh, yes, Coach. With this back half of the season, with some of the younger players, what are you expecting your leaders to communicate with them who have been through this journey and as you guys go into not only the SEC championship, but you guys are on that bubble too with making the NCAA tournament? Well, I think it's so important. You know, if you a really interesting fact is no one on our roster had ever played at Vanderbilt um, because SA's group had the COVID year. So this environment's a little different too as far as the communication. Um, so everything that we're about um, was completely new tonight. I don't know if that affected the start, but um, the one thing that I can tell you is, is that, you know, they, 
the best kind of teams I've I've noticed through the years are player led teams. And again, our core leadership group with with uh, Loyal and SA and Lee are just special. And so, you know, they everything that they do and say, um, they add a lot of value every day. And I think the best kind of leadership is action. You know, it's not a lot of words, um, but they do speak when they need to. So we just continue to have to follow that group. I mean, all three have played in an NCAA tournament. They understand what this time of year is about. And we know we need to be playing our best basketball headed into March. So the little things that make a big difference and, and just the poise and calmness that those three have had about them have really made us better, especially as youthful and as inexperienced as we are around them. Courtney. What was the team atmosphere like as you guys started that comeback and when that final buzzer rang and you have talked a lot about battling through adversity this season and this game truly showed that you guys have done that so what is that like to see that come to full effect well I've always said as a coach there's nothing more fun than watch your team celebrate a big win on the road especially in a comeback fashion um, as a coach you know those are really special moments and I know our staff we weren't very happy at half. You know, I know there were some hard things said um, by our players before we walked in. You know, I'm walking in and SA says, I've got it. So, I mean, we we were pretty fired up at half. And we made some adjustments and our kids responded. But at the end of the day, it's players that make plays. So, um, again, there's nothing more fun than watching your team celebrate a big road win and, and the way they did it in this kind of fashion. I guess a Vanderbilt team that's had some really good wins and near 21 season. And it's a hard place to play. So, um, they're going to beat a lot of people. Okay. Thank you. Thank y'all. Roll Tide. So the fourth quarter for you guys marked like a massive turnaround. What adjustments and changes happened? And was it anything about Vanderbilt that changed? Yeah, it was nothing about Vandy. It was about um, coming in at halftime and realizing that we weren't playing the way we needed to play. And the coaches demanded us to give more effort and um and understood that it's going to be a game of runs and that the third quarter, we weren't going to just, you know, turn around and just take the lead. And we knew that we were going to kind of have to climb into it, um, you know, every single minute of the game. And so that's what we did. We just stuck with it. We stuck with what the coaches had for the game plan. And then um, we followed their game plan the second half. The first half we didn't. And the second half we did. And obviously we won because we followed it. I also think in the second half, we limited our turnovers. We got more rebounds and we communicated better on the defensive end. Ariel? Yeah. Hey guys, congratulations. I just wanted to get your thoughts on how special of a gritty win it was to get it for Coach Curry's 500 career win. Yeah, I mean, I think it just shows um, that win was really gritty. And uh, as as a coach with what Coach Christie is, she's a gritty coach. She expects so much from us. She wants us to work hard every single day. So I think just having that win, being able to come back and win for her just means so much to us, but it also means a lot to her just showing that, you know, we trust her. We trust everything she's going to tell us and that we're going to go get it for her. She puts so much into this program and she she truly has our back no matter what. If we, we lost three straight um, against Arkansas, uh, LSU and Auburn, and she came in with the same mindset and being like, I still trust you. I still believe in you. And just to have a coach have um just have that belief no matter what just means so much to us. And so for us to be able to have her back tonight just means so much to our program. It, I'm sure it means so much to Coach Kersey. And I mean, I could go on and on about Coach Kersey. She's honestly an amazing person. Um, she's a great basketball coach. And and I'm just truly blessed that I've been able to play um, a year and a half with her. And I'm going to continue to play. So any more questions for student athletes? Courtney? So you guys had a combined 44 points tonight. And you guys continue to be a great partnership on the court. What do you guys think makes your partnership so effective? 
I think just uh, sharing the ball and taking great shots. Um, Loyal, she's great for us. She did really good for us in the second half. Um, just finding us and getting us the ball, just taking care of the ball. Like I said, in the second half, we really took care of the ball more than we did in the first half. And I think that with that, we just found our open shots and knocked it down. Ariel. Uh, last one for me. This is for both of you. Um, when you're at this stretch in the season, you guys are starting that second half of conference play with being two veterans on the team. What is the message that you're going to bring into the locker room to take care of yourself, but also take care of your body? Too? What's that message to the other players? Uh, I was just going to say that we have to be very intentional about everything. Um, the second half, we really have to focus. We have to get wins. We have to take care of ourselves. And I think at this point in the season, like we should know each other's strengths and weaknesses and just continue uh, to just keep our eye on the prize. Like we just want to win every single game and take one game at a time and just focus on that one and get the dub um, and then just go on to the next one. So, yeah. And I think also adding to that, um, every team is in the situation that we're in. Every team has played the same amount of games that we're, that we have. So I think it's who, what teams can be the grittiest, what teams can be mm -hmm. the toughest. You're going to be sore. You're going to be having aches and pains. And so I think it's which teams are going to be able to push past those aches and pains and really stay together and uh, and continue to trust the coaches because that's really what it's all about at the end of the season. It doesn't matter really the talent towards the end of the season because everyone is so so beat up. Um, it really matters about which teams are staying together, which teams are going to do the right things and, and get, get the right amount of sleep, uh, eat the right way, um, take care of your body with with just, just getting recovery. Um, it's That's what it's about and just really staying together. Mm -hmm. Last one, Courtney. Uh, with games like this that are so close that a single point could really turn the game at some point, how important is it for you guys to stay focused and maintain your composure? And how do you guys go about doing that during these games? Trust what the coaches tell us to do and just execute. Yeah, this is planning as it, as it is. Just trust them and know that they believe in us and we believe in them. And that's all that it takes. Mm -hmm. Just belief with each other. One final piece of audio for the show today, and then we'll get you guys out of here. This episode went live on Wednesday morning ahead of the Iron Bowl of Basketball Round 2, Alabama versus Auburn, 6 p.m. tonight at Auburn. The Crimson Tide enter on a four-game winning streak, and they've also won 10 of their last 11 games, and they're 16-6 and six overall, and 8-1 and one against the SEC. An important note ahead of tonight's big game. They've climbed to number 16 in the latest AP poll and are currently alone atop the SEC after starting the season 6-5. and five. They'll take on an Auburn team that's 18-4, and 7-2 in conference play, and is eager for revenge after Alabama won the first meeting earlier this season, 79-75 at Coleman Coliseum. Game begins at 6 p.m. Central, will air on ESPN2. An Alabama win will strengthen their grip on the SEC. An Auburn win would bring the tide back to the pack, set up a dogfight over the next month to claim the league championship. On Tuesday, we met with Alabama coach Nate Oates to discuss the progress of his team ahead of their matchup with the Tigers. He talked about Nick Pringle's status. He will travel with the team, and yes, he will be available to play. But also Grant Nelson's continued emergence. Uh, he also talked a lot about how the growth of his new coaching staff has played just as big of a role as the growth of his players and Alabama's recent success. Here's what I mean by this. You got to remember this Alabama team, very different from last year's 31 win team. Brandon Miller and Noah Clowney are now in the NBA. Charles Bediaco is also playing pro ball. The other players left through the transfer portal. In response, Alabama brought in players through the portal themselves like Nelson, Aaron Estrada, uh, Muhammad Wagi, Latrell Wrightsell, as well as another strong recruiting class led by Jaron Stevenson and Muhammad Diobate. On top of that, Oates also had to hire a brand new staff. 
All of his assistants from last year are now head coaches. Charlie Henry at Georgia Southern, Brian Hodgson at Arkansas State, and Antoine Petway at Kennesaw State. Oates cast a wide net to find their replacements and ultimately reeled in Austin Clanch, previously the head coach at Nichols State, Ryan Pannone, previously an assistant with the New Orleans Pelicans, and Preston Murphy, previously an assistant at Creighton. The point is, it took some time for this team to figure out some stuff, for the players to learn how to play with both each other and for this new staff, but also for this new staff to figure out their own own roles in leading this team. The results, of course, a pretty rough start to the season, but then a stellar January that has them on top of the conference uh, midway through. Oates believes they can continue this hot stretch through this month, starting Wednesday night against Auburn. Just like we did with Coach Curry, we turned Nate Oates' press conference into podcast audio for you here. So without further ado, here's Alabama men's basketball coach, Nate Oates. Obviously a big game. We've uh, put ourselves in a good spot halfway through conference play but <coughs> can all uh go backwards in a hurry if we don't come out and play well the second half of conference play i mean got three teams that are only a game back from us in the lost column so you know between auburn south carolina and tennessee they're all right on our heels so you know this this is a big game if if you know if we don't win, we're tied first place. If we get a win, we can separate ourselves a little bit. Uh, you know, when we played them here, they did a good job with us. They uh, they came out, jumped on us early. I thought our guys did a good job coming back. <coughs> Obviously, Ryland had a really good game. You know, we're going to have to play a lot better in a lot of ways because they, they play a lot better at home. I mean, they haven't lost at home all year. I think they're the only SEC team that still has, still is undefeated at home. So they play a lot better at home. So we're going to have to be better. But, you know, we got two good basketball teams, that, you know, both ranked in the top 20. This game's become a national-level game, not just a big game in the state of Alabama. It's a big game in the state of college basketball across the country now. So... I, uh, I'm looking forward to it. It's one of the best environments, I think, in all of college basketball over there. Their fans do a great job giving them a, a home court advantage and their players play up to it. So it'll be, it'll be a fun night uh, regardless of the outcome. But, you know, we've got two pretty, uh, pretty even match teams going at it. Hey, Coach, last night uh, you kind of spoke positively about Nick. Just where do things stand with him and his status? Yeah, he's uh, coming. He's been in practice the last two days, so he, he'll make the trip with us to Auburn. But he's gradually working his way back in. Coach, thinking back to before the season started, you think about the roster attrition, losing three assistant coaches to D1 coaching jobs. To get to this point, so where you say you are in a good spot, how have you seen the program from the player side and the coaches side kind of grow and develop from the beginning of the year to now? Yeah, I mean, the the staff's chemistry, it's been good, but we still have to figure out, you know, who's better coaching this, who's better, you know, we've had two former head coaches in Austin and Ryan, so they, both of them obviously can coach both sides of the ball. They've you know, we had to get a comfort level with that. You know, where does Preston fit in with everything? I mean, he's one of the best skill developers, talent evaluators, recruiters. He's also a pretty good X and O coach that can 
uh, he does a great job with the scouting report. So we, we, you know, we all had to kind of figure out what our niche was going to be. I think it took us a little while. We made some changes as to how we all did things there, kind of at the end of non-conference play. You know, we and we scheduled tough. We always scheduled tough, so it's not like we were. We had five bad losses. We lost to five pretty good teams, and uh, only one of them was here at home. So, you know, it wasn't like the sky was falling, but we needed to make some changes. I think we, we made some appropriate adjustments. I think the players had to figure out how to respond to me as a head coach. They Nine out of the 12 scholarship guys hadn't played here, had not played for me at all. So, you know, there was an adjustment there, an adjustment to playing our system, adjustment to playing with each other. And I, I don't want to act like it's not the same in a lot of places because there's a lot of turnover and a lot of rosters. But to have dang near a whole new staff with that much turnover was, was probably a lot. And, you know, I think we learned from our losses in non-conference. And if you don't schedule the way you do in the non-conference, I don't think you're ready to play the conference play like we were. So I think our non-conference schedule, even though we lost five games, still got us ready to play in league. Two for you. One, can you elaborate on some of the changes you guys made on the coaching side after non-conference play? And then two on Grant, how important was that first Auburn game and just kind of letting him see it and kind of try to build off that? Yeah, the, uh, the with the coaching staff, we, you know, I'd been kind of offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator. And, you know, initially we had Coach Pannone kind of take the defense, kind of a role similar to Charlie's. But I, I, part of the reason I hired Ryan was, you know, I'd gotten to know him really well through a lot of offensive stuff. Like, and I think all summer and fall, he had kind of helped institute the offense with, you know, he's obviously the one guy in staff that's much more tilted towards the X and O side. He's big video guys, been a head coach in the G League, been, you know, and, Coach Claunch, when I originally talked to him and kind of talked about maybe running the defense, but then Pannone's a lot, watches a ton of video, and we kind of thought maybe. So we started with Coach Pannone kind of running the defense, Coach Claunch and myself running the offense, and then Preston doing a lot with the um, personnel and scouts, kind of like we had Brian do. So we kind of just tried to match what it looked like the last four years around here. Well. It's not that cookie cutter. They're not. Coach Pannone still got a ton of offensive ideas because that's where his mind kind of goes, and I want him there. So I thought he was shooting. It's kind of why I hired him to help us with the offense. So and I think Coach Clonch and Coach Murphy, after you know, after seeing the way Coach Pannone and myself talk defense and what we wanted to do, got a lot higher comfort level. So we kind of went to a little bit more traditional where. Austin and Preston are splitting the scouts on the defensive side. I kind of flipped over to the defensive side more, let Coach Bowman and Coach Pannone take the offensive side. And part of it is, go back to when I was a high school coach, I would kind of train an assistant in as to how I want him to offense run, let him run it. I coach the defense. When the head coach is much more involved in the defense, they tend to take it a lot more seriously. When I get to decide who plays and who doesn't, playing time and, you know, all the other stuff, and I'm paying all the attention to the defense in practice. I, this was a group that our defense was pretty bad. 
I don't know how poorly it got in nine conference. It was down close to being a hundred. You know, I, we we weren't going to win a conference championship with the defense being that bad. So I, I kind of flipped over there, let them know, like if you're not going to guard and I'm paying attention to it every day in practice, I'm just not going to play you. Period. And I'm going to be very aware as to who's focused in on the defensive end and who's not. I do think we made some strides on the defensive end. It's still nowhere close to where we want it to be. I mean, if you look at Auburn, you know, they're top 20, I believe, in both, I think, top 15 in both offense and defensive efficiency. When you look at the metrics, we're still, you know, depending on, I think, in raw offense, we're one and adjusted offense, we're two. And then our defense is still in the 50s. Like, we're trying to get our defense up you know, in the top 30, and we still got ways to go. But, you know, we kind of shuffled some things around. I think uh, the one thing I'll say about the staff is all of them are just whatever you need, coach, whatever. You know, they can all coach basketball, offense, defense, whatever. And so they let me kind of shuffle a few things around. And Coach Pannone watches more video than anybody I ever know, so he kind of still kind of as input on both sides of the ball as he's always going to have because he's pretty, he's pretty educated on on that stuff. Uh, you talk about the environment at Auburn, and we've heard about that a lot. Uh, you know, basketball courts are the same size for everybody, and same in football. In football, the main thing they, that you hear coaches talk about is communications. What's the main thing that being on the road? Make so difficult for basketball. Yeah, I mean it's the same. I mean it's so loud and they're right that the the court might be the same, but the uh, the way the setups are definitely not the same. I mean, you know, in Coleman, our first rows way off the floor. You go to Auburn and they're a lot more like Duke, where the students are right on the floor. Like I think it's a great environment. I think it's what makes college basketball college basketball. Having you know the student section with you know they're rowdy they get after it they 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 they're loud and they're right on top of you so and then it's hard it's hard to hear yourself even think it's hard to get play calls call it's hard for the players to communicate on defense it's it's loud it's, it's great i love it you know it reminds me a lot of high school gyms just with a lot more people in there but you kind of pack two thousand people in a high school gym and get Similar setting. Now you pack whatever they see, what is it, eight, nine, ten thousand, whatever it is, and the place gets loud. So, yeah, I'd say it's pretty similar, just with the volume and communicating between staff and players, players amongst each other. You know what, Nick? You had two questions too. I didn't get the second one. What was the second one? Oh, yeah, I think the first Auburn game was big for all our guys that hadn't played here before. Just to kind of I, – I, you can tell these guys what the intensity level is going to look like. It, it's You don't really know what it's about till you experience it. So Auburn's got a few more guys back that have played in these, these games before. You know, seems like Cardwell's been here every year I've been here, and he's a really good player. Broom's been there. Katie Johnson's been there a while. You know, you kind of go down the list of some of these guys that have they, – they, they've got some guys that have been in the, these games and understand it. So, I think it was big for Grant. It's big for Aaron. Big for Reitzel. You know, all the freshmen, obviously. So, yeah. 
they, they'll have a little bit better idea. They, they don't know quite what it's like to go into Auburn's gym, but they have an idea what the intensity level in this game looks like. Yeah, just following up on Charlie's question, I mean, you said that Nick's making the trip. Is he going to be available to play, or is that to be determined? Yeah, no, he'll be available to play. I'm not sure how much he'll play, but he's, he'll be available to play. Yeah, Coach, thinking back to that last Auburn game, where did you think you were able to find the most success, and how are you going to be able to replicate that, or what are you looking to replicate in this game? Yeah, I, I thought, you know, we came out with some intensity and turned them over in the first half. We, we forced nine turnovers in the first half. Now, in the second half, it, they took care of the ball pretty well, so I'm sure their point of emphasis is going to be they can't turn it over. But I did think, our, you know, our pressure got to them a little bit. You know, Ryland Griffin gave us a big boost. Ryland came off the bench that game and kind of changed the whole complexion of the game when he came in, knocked down those four threes early. So I'm sure they'll be paying attention to Ryland. But, you know, I think we've got some other guys on the team capable of making some shots. And, you know, we, we, we got we to gotta take care of the ball. They, they, they turn people over and get out, get easy buckets. We got to do a better job on Broom. I thought he did, you know, he had way too easy of a time with our bigs inside last game. So we got to do a better job with him. And then we did a pretty good job on some of their guards. So we got to try to realize that they're going to improve and we got to do an even better job. I personally just want to know what's it like for you? What kind of feelings do you get as a head coach heading into big games like this? I mean, listen, I, I get amped up for them like the players do. I, uh, you know, I shoot, I, co I coach because I like to compete. And I schedule tough games in the non-conference because I like to compete. I'd rather not just run all over, you know, a bunch of bye games. So, like, these big games are, to me, they're fun. I mean, I like going in an environment like that, kind of. Like I said, some of it takes me back to my days at Romulus when I was a high school coach and you get, get those big rivalry games. We. Romulus Belleville when I first got there and there's sellouts and they got to lock the doors and you know hundreds of people can't get in and guys are sneaking in through side doors to try to you know it's ah, shoot this is it's fun I mean you get to you get to compete here and you get to do it in a, in a packed out gym and in front of a national audience and I think I think your players have an intensity level about them kind of go back to I think I think it was our first year here that we set the record for threes made. We later broke the record. But I think we hit 22 threes at their place because we <laughs> started out down 16 to zip. When you start the game out 16 to zip, you're going to take a lot of threes. We happen to make a few of them. But I think, you know, we've had some wild swings in these games at our place last year. I think we'll be down 17 with seven minutes and some change to go. I mean, we're dead to rights in our own building. Our fans kind of got behind us and helped us out a little bit with some noise our, ourselves. And uh, we came back and won that game. So I uh, look, I, I get I get a little nervous, a little excited, more, more excited, more amped up probably than anything. But I, I coach for a lot of reasons. But one of them is it's I, I don't, you know, it's a way to compete. And I like to compete. and a little different than playing chess or golf. So a little bit, little bit, little bit more intensity to the competition.
given that you mentioned the turnover on this roster and given, you know, maybe Charles Bediaco's unexpected departure to start, is this one of your best coaching jobs, do you feel like, you've, you've had since you've been here? I, I'm probably not the one to judge that, to be honest with you, but I'm just trying to not have a collapse here in the second half of the conference play. We think as soon as you start feeling like you're doing a great job coaching, the sky starts falling. So, listen, uh, I'll give you a really good self-evaluation of that after the season's over. We got we got a lot of games yet to coach. So, And if you look at the non-conference, we didn't do a very good job. I felt, you know, we experimented with some different things that I'm always willing to try new things, look at this, look at that. Can we get better? Sometimes they work, sometimes they don't. I, some of the stuff I, we probably did non-conference didn't go, didn't go as well. And, yeah, and we had to learn what some of our guys were good at. I mean, honestly, we had a lot of injuries in the offseason too, which, you know, most people wouldn't know because we got everybody available by game one. But, you know, Diabate and Wagay both came in and had to have surgery. And Wagay didn't get here until July. And then they had to have surgery. So he really missed all the summer, all the fall. Diabate missed all summer, most of the fall. Jaron Stevenson couldn't go live in anything until partway through the fall. I mean, we had so our whole front court. Grant Nelson didn't get here till halfway through the summer. So if you go back to what we had in the summer, it was Nick Pringle at the five on one team and Sam Walters at the five on the other team. So it was really the chemistry was hard to build in the summer and the fall because we just had so many injuries. So, you know, it, it's uh, – it, the non-conference schedule was built tough with no plans of all those injuries and kind of some of the – yeah, Charles left. We didn't anticipate that. We didn't anticipate Quinterly leaving when he left in the summer either. So, yeah, it's it's been a, um, a learning curve for myself – the new staff, the team, but I think we're headed the right direction. We just we got to keep this thing rolling. You know, there's a lot of games left to be played, so I don't think anybody should be evaluating any job anybody's done, players or coaches, until we get a lot more games under our belt here this season. But uh, yes, yeah, moving away from the uh, Auburn game, the uh, yesterday comes up on my phone was National Disaster Day, and that was the day that a National Labor Relations Board member rule that Dartmouth's players were employees, and I wondered if you had an opinion on that or if you ever thought of your players as employees. Listen, I'm I'm not an attorney or an administrator. I'm not quite sure what all that entails. I do know that I'm an employee here, and I see what gets pulled out of my paycheck. Uh, you know, there's there the players are compensated through an IL. I, uh, so in a way that, you know, I, but the employee side of it, there's a lot that goes into being an employee. Like, I don't know what are they going to unionize, and I don't, I don't, I don't have all the answers to that. That's a pretty complicated, uh, topic that I'm not educated enough. And if there's one thing I've learned since being here at Alabama is probably not to speak on something I'm not very educated on. So I'm going to leave most of that for uh, Greg Byrne and uh, the attorneys and everybody that knows labor laws and everything else. Great, great stuff there from Oates. One final note on those coaching adjustments he referenced with Oates, Clonch, and Murphy now focused on Alabama's defense. There's been 
pretty steady improvement. Through the first 11 games, Alabama allowed 78.5 points per game and went 6-5. and five. The last 11 games, they've allowed just 70.1 points per game and are 10-1 and one overall. Pretty good stuff. That's all we've got today, guys. We'll be back later this week and try and get our recruiting guy, Brett Greenberg, on the horn to begin looking ahead to Alabama's 2025 recruiting class. DeBoer and company hosted a monster junior day last weekend, and Brett has been busy gathering intel on how everything went. In the meantime, be sure to rate and review the show wherever you listen to your podcast, Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, even our Bama 247 YouTube page. Subscribe to Bama 247 and 247 Sports. We are running a signing day special, 60% off an annual VIP membership. I believe it comes out to about $43 for the entire year. If you aren't signed up yet, you should get signed up now or pass that deal along to the Alabama fan in your life. Um, I believe you guys will absolutely appreciate all the stuff that we've got coming uh, with signing day, with basketball coverage. Spring football is going to be here before we know it. Get signed up now. I promise you won't regret it. As always, we appreciate you guys listening. We will talk to you all again soon.